Rye Smile Films presents The Shot. And now here are your hosts, Matt and Jesse. Welcome to The Shot. Today we are doing some DC movie madness in the spirit of March Madness basketball, which is taking place right now. And in the spirit of last year when we did the same exact bracket round off with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which was a lot of fun. And it was a lot of crazy discussions and a lot of matchups and upsets. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what we got here. So we have DC movies, so not cinematic universe. It's kind of everything DC's ever made. I think the kind of thing we did is we went to IMDb and from the highest rated to fill at least 16 slots. So unfortunately, Matt Swamp Thing isn't on this list. Didn't make it, doggone it. You know that's a Wes Craven movie? Really? 1982, yeah. Was he dating Adrian Barbeau? Oh, no. <laughs> That'd be Carpenter. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> Let's unveil the bracket. Sure. The number one seed overall, The Dark Knight. Not surprised. Strong, strong resume. Mm -hmm. Very high in the Ken Palm Index. Strong entry. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, Joker. Number three, where are you, number three? There you are. The Dark Knight Rises. And number four, Batman Begins. Let's talk about the top four seeds here first. Yeah. Very heavy Gotham influence. Yeah, it's all Gotham. It's all Batman. (laughs) And it's mostly Nolan. It is. Uh, I can't wait to talk about those films. And especially in how many times I saw them in the theater. (laughs) You might have driven those ratings up yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's go five through the rest now. Okay. Uh, Number five is The Watchmen. Mm. Pretty high seed there. Yeah. Six, Batman, the original. 89. Yeah, cool. Seven, Wonder Woman. Not 84, the original. Number eight. Oh, 84 was on this. I would have flipped this table over. <laughs> Richard Donner's Superman. Okay. Number nine, Batman Returns. Ooh, nice. Interesting matchup there. Yeah. Number 10, Wonder Woman and Shazam squaring off in the first round. Interesting. Yeah, I think so too. That's an interesting pairing there. Okay. Number 11, Man of Steel. Number 12, Constantine. Number 13, Aquaman. Number 14, Superman 2. Okay. Number 15, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> and checking in at number 16, Justice League Theatrical. The Whedon version. The Whedon version. How did those two make it on this list at the end there? <laughs> so there's a few on the outside looking in, and that gives a shout out to um, Superman 3. <laughs> And um, (laughs) Superman (laughs) 3. Excellent. No No bat nipples, though. Are you happy? Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I do like (laughs) Batman forever. Uh, This is great. This is a great list. It's so diverse. I mean, the quality over the course of this bracket is so varied. Yeah. Um, And we get a little bit of Batman, Superman, uh, the the Snyder verse, whatever they're calling that. And then the stuff that started all superhero movies, the stuff that made them popular and the kind of the reinvention of it with like Nolan. Like I can't wait to, to get into this. So let's just, let's just, Oh wait, hang on. Do one more thing first. Hang on. Okay. From this list. Yeah. Find me your Cinderella, which is ridiculous. Cause you and I are going to decide who makes them doesn't, but give me your Cinderella. Superman two, maybe, or Richard Donner, Superman. Okay. Cause I'm going to ride on Shazam. Okay. Now, you and I will decide if the glass slipper fits or not here in about three minutes, but uh, let him dream for a few minutes. 
First, let's cheers. We have a new bottle here. This is Sam Houston, uh, 14 year age. This is a really good drink. It's really smooth. It got some nice kind of earthy elements to that. Mm-hmm. And I like the spice on the back end. So good job finding that. Do you get so, that vanilla in there? I do. I do too. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Mm. Well, Matt, I'm dying to get started. Let's start at the very top 116 matchup. This is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight versus Whedon's Justice League. Is there much of a discussion here? <laughs> I mean, we should discuss. I mean, why? Uh, okay. We just did an episode on Justice League, and it was a very faulted film. And, you know, we even were in agreement that the Snyder version on HBO Max is probably a superior film to this one. Certainly. Uh, it's hard to go up against Dark Knight, and maybe we can save some more of the argument for later in the rack- bracket for Dark Knight. But just to be uh, cute... I'd put the bank robbery scene up against any the whole totality of Justice League, and it'd probably still move. <laughs> Did Justice League keep this close? Or are we like within ten at halftime, or is this boat race from the jump? <laughs> it's boat race from the jump. Chalk advances. Dark Knight moves through. Excellent. All right. Want to stay in that bracket? Or yeah. You want to go to two? Yeah, let's stay here. So in the other regional semifinal matchup, we have Superman versus what is ba- my writing? Batman setter? Returns. Batman Returns. This is an interesting one. So Superman 1978. This is the film that started the entire superhero film spectrum. This is years before Marvel and Blade, and this is the one that like kind of got it all going. I really this is this is David Robinson on the Navy team back in 87 or whenever that was. There you go. There you go. There is a powerhouse in the Superman, Superman film. I like this movie a Me lot. Too. Uh, it's it's one I'm always very fond of. I've I've spoken on record a lot about this. this is my favorite John Williams soundtrack. So you know music's going to be important for me in these mm-hmm. discussions. We got to talk about Batman Returns though a little bit. You okay. know the you know I have a hard time qualifying it almost as uh, this is going to sound sacrilege to the Batman Returns fans, but bear with me because I love this movie. It's almost not a Batman movie. You know what I mean? Mm. It's almost a Tim Burton movie first. Oh, well said. I think you're right. Because like Edward Scissorhands had just come out and he had just kind of figured out his groove. But that's not to take any away from the movie because the movie's still pretty well, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman, DeVito is Penguin, and Keaton come back. They're all really good in the movie. And then Christopher Walken is just randomly. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Okay. If Tim Burton then is the coach of this team, mm-hmm. is his influence too heavy handed to really let the talent that's on the floor really drop 40 points and a half. Really well said. Yeah, I, think I, I'm, think... I hadn't thought about it that way, but you make a very compelling point. That's no knock against the movie. It's still very enjoyable. And I loved watching it as a kid. And um, are we sure Johnny Depp's not in here somewhere? You might, no, he's definitely, yeah, you might be sneaking around <laughs> in the background there, but yeah, it, 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 his influence is just so heavy handed in this film. Even it, that leaks into the Elfman music too that it's a little less enjoyable for me than the 89 version, which to me feels more like a Batman, Batman movie. Um, but that was before he blew up into a megastar director, like after that one. So who do you like better? Terrence stamp as Zod or Danny DeVito as the penguin, but Zod's in that movie for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. I think I prefer Danny DeVito, but I do love Gene Hackman as Luther Luther. And I know it's silly, Matt. I know the turning of the world and undoing time is silly, but I kind of love it. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Yeah. That moment when he has to take Lois out of like the, out of the car that's, you know, there in the, in the fault line from the earthquake. And he just like loses it and just like screams and like primal rage flies up into the sky. Like, I love that moment. It was terrifying for me as a child seeing that he was unhinged. 
We'll talk about, you know, we talked about Henry Cavill's gotten a bad rap in the last couple of weeks, too. I feel rightly so sometimes. But, you know, Christopher Reeve was able to do it both. Likeable Clark Kent, uh, kind of goofy, whimsical, likable Superman, and then unhinged Superman. Like, he kind of did it all with, like, one character. And he's third build in that movie. That's crazy. <laughs> I got I think I got to give it to Superman uh, going on to the next round. I don't think I disagree. Okay. I think through this top half of this bracket, I think we're in agreement. Excellent. Which sets up a matchup in the Elite Eight of the Dark Knight taking on Superman, but that's a day away yet. They yeah. get a chance to... Yeah, we'll get to it. Check some tape on each yeah, other. Get some, or wrap up your ankle, Superman. Bottom half of the bracket. This is the troubling piece because this is 413 and 512, and we know how rife that usually pairing is for matchup disasters for the higher seed. So here's what we got. We got number four, Batman Begins versus 13, Aquaman. This is interesting. Uh, Aquaman, to those in the rye, you know, proper that have, however long you've been listening, this was the, f- this, uh, not the first episode, but this was the test episode Matt and I did for, to see what's the podcasting thing going to be like. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun, but it mostly was pretty naked. <laughs> like, it's a film that rips off everything and anything from Raiders of the Lost Ark to Black Panther to, you know, you just name it and there's an influence in there. Uh, of that and that's pretty uh, troublesome for me okay so what's troubling for me is the journey to the center of the earth out of the water to land yeah you know i hate that yep if you have a hero that fights in the water by god leave him in the water Mm -hmm. i don't think this is much of a matchup because i will also say of the four three batman nolan entries Mm -hmm. this is my favorite it's a solid film chalk advances chalk advances No upsets. This bracket's holding true to form. We'll save the Batman Begins discussion for a little bit because I have a compelling case to to make for this particular film. Yeah, I feel like we're going to have a showdown for the final four on this side that's going to be one for the ages. Okay, number five, number 12, Watchmen versus Constantine. This was interesting for us because up until a couple days ago, we had never seen Constantine. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Truth. So we had to watch it to give this bracket due diligence, but just in brief discussion... It kind of belongs, I don't even know if it belongs on this bracket, to be completely honest with you, Matt, now that I'm thinking about it. Not that it's a terrible film, like some of the stuff we've covered recently, but it wasn't overly interesting either. I know the world- I like Swamp Thing. I know that's a B movie, but mm-hmm. that's, I don't want to say better film, because it isn't. It's such a yeah. B Roger Corman hack job, kind of, but- I mean, Keanu's, you know, doing his Keanu thing and he's, and, 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 and that's, and that's all right. And I kind of want to get more involved with that world, that kind of like hell purgatory world that he's walking the fine line with. But like, I, I think I pitched it to you best. I mean, he's kind of a D-list character and they gave him like a C minus movie. Like he didn't really get like a fair shake at it. So, so you tackled Constantine. Let me have a crack at watching. Yeah, go ahead. I don't think that that story is as great as everyone does. It's a personal thing. That aside, I don't think that movie does a worse version of interpreting a story that I'm not particularly fond of. Mm-hmm. So just because I don't like the Princeton slowdown offense that the Watchmen is running mm-hmm. in their Constantine Sl- matchup. Slow down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cut you to death. Slow motion offense, Zack Snyder offense. It's executed really well. Ask UCLA. One of the things, uh, you know, I, that I said that I liked about Zack Snyder in, in the last couple of weeks was his ambition, his uh, vision to see this like huge picture. And you can't get more ambitious than trying to adapt that graphic novel that's 300 pages long. 
So I think his ambition comes through in that. I mean, it's a fairly faithful adaptation, and they actually improve something that I think is downright stupid in the graphic novel. The octopus? The squid from space. I mean, they just yeah. kind of make it a, nu- a nuclear bomb, and I'm okay with that. I think it has some good performances. The soundtrack's good. It's I think it's Zack Snyder at his most restrained, Oof. and I think it works for him. So I'll further that because neither one of these two have a chance in the next round anyway, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Okay, Watchmen advances. Chalk holds on the left side of the bracket. All righty. Two versus 15. This is Joker versus BVS. This is not even close. This is my tournament pick to win the whole thing. I love the Joker. You know that. We did the whole show on it. It's a fantastic performance. I know that it's not fanboy's favorite because that's such a tough character to do. I love the era that it's set. I prefer the 70s and that to the 80s. It works. It's gritty. It feels filthy. It gives him a soul, his condition on how he laughs. I frankly love that film. So for me, I'm gonna ask this you, is a wipeout. I'm going to ask you a question later on about that particular film. Okay. Oh, uh, Yeah, because it's going to move on because I can't stand Batman versus Superman. I, right. I, I ripped it apart. It has such convenient, contrived screenwriting and ridiculousness. I, I mean, we, we give that film rock. Uh, even I'm not, I don't love the Joker at the same level that you do. But I at least gave it, I think, a call rating when we did that episode. So, yeah, this is easy for me. I can't talk about Batman versus Superman anymore. This is Joker advancing. What a totally unexciting bracket we have so far. Maybe we're getting to something now. Yeah, it's going to get crazy. Minor upset possibly here. This is Shazam at 10 taking on Wonder Woman at 7. Let me give you the Wonder Woman take and then I'll let you do Shazam. Okay. Two-thirds of Wonder Woman is really good. Really good. None of the final showing or spotlighting Wonder Woman's performance in the third act works. I think the problem with act three though, is the Aries. Yep. It gets so big. Yep. The stuff that still does work for me is like the stuff with her and, and Steve Trevor and, and his eventual sacrifice. And yep. then she's still crying about it in 1984. At least, at least that wasn't happening yet in, in the totality of that film, but it, it gets a little too big for its britches when, and then we found out later in retrospect, that was kind of like a studio kind of note to like Patty Jenkins to spice up act three. And, it kind of got a little messy, but I'm with you. Acts one through three, one, one and two of Wonder Woman, I think are the best thing in that DC cinematic universe. Let me pose one thing to you, which this isn't, which is going to be the antithesis of why I'm going to make the vote for mm-hmm. the vote that I cast. Here. Mm-hmm. If Dr. Poison presents in 1920-ish, yeah. a Joker like scenario from Batman Mm -hmm. with the laughing gas to poison a large group of people. We don't have to introduce a larger than life Aries villain and Dr. Poison and her sidekick are enough. That doesn't happen. However, I know if that does this, this is a strong contender to Mm -hmm. go much further, but let's talk about Shazam. Okay. At a time when DC was really suffering from the morose nature of every single scene feels like a 10 pound albatross around your neck. Yeah. This didn't do that. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a misstep at the end when the kids grow up into the other versions (laughs) and it's kind of like the power Rangers, but not, I forgot about that. (laughs) So again, I'm at the same place. Whereas wonder woman is two thirds good and one third, not this is three quarters good and one quarter, not but I'm going to go the lesser of two evils and I'm going to make my case for Shazam advancing in this matchup. All right. Let me minor upset. Let me complicate it a little bit. Let me complicate it a little bit more just because I did like Shazam. I liked the lighter tone and it fit that character really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
Billy Batson and, and Shazam, it's it's the kid in you becoming the superhero. I mean, not a lot of, other than Spider-Man, like it was, or like the sidekick thing to find a main hero that you could like really relate to and tap into for all of your, your, your you know, childhood fantasies. I mean, that's really cool. And I thought they executed it pretty well. On top of that, like, I don't overly, I remember a lot of it, but like, uh, other than, you know, the comedic stuff, a lot of it didn't really stick with me way after. When even Wonder Woman, I think, has a lot going for it in that it beat Marvel in something. It was the first, you know, superhero to feature a female-led superhero character. I mean, we're still waiting for Black Widow, and and you know what I mean? And then there was Captain Marvel and, and whatnot, but... I mean, it was first, and that movie it was like decades in development. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that the the No Man's I mean, Eva land, Longoria wasn't a good choice well, initially. Yeah, probably not. Mm-hmm. I, and I think the No Man's Land scene where she kind of you know runs through the, the battle, I think, is fairly exciting and something that I think a lot of people remember. So I want to give just a slight over nod to to Wonder Woman a little bit, and it made a lot of money too. And I don't know how much consideration we want to give to that in, in these discussions, but. Wonder Woman 84 was an obvious misstep, but I think we had been waiting years and years and years for that to finally happen. And I thought it happened, you know, pretty, I think we were satisfied for the most part at the end of that. Two questions. Okay. If you have two hours to kill, Mm -hmm. which of these would you rather watch again, Shazam or Wonder Woman? And watch two thirds of Wonder Woman, then the the one third of Shazam. (laughs) Okay. So let's call it a wash. Okay. So then let me go to the screenwriting piece on this. Okay. Both of those stories are essentially fish out of water stories. Wonder Woman, a woman out of time Mm -hmm. and Shazam. It's big (laughs) boy out of body. It's big. It's big with superpowers. Sure. Sure. Sticking to the tropes of the fish out of water scenario. Mm -hmm. Which of those two do you think does it better? Let me complicate it one more way for you. I might make the case that in the th- the film that I'm considering maybe losing at a buzzer beater here mm-hmm. to Shazam, yeah. it might have one of my three favorite things in all of DC dumb in yeah. it. Yeah. And honestly, it's the lovemaking scene between Trevor and Diana. I was they just, handle it so well. I was just going to say, I think Chris Pine might be the one that sinks the shot because he is really good in that movie as her, her foil in that as her, you know, this relationship piece. Better and, than Mark strong. Yeah. Better than Mark strong. Okay. And, yeah, I think the, that that piece definitely worked for you. And I remember conversations after that came out saying, like, you know, the relationship between Diana and Steve is is pretty good in the movie. It is. And, and it, it works all the way up until his death. Now it's it's bastardized now in, in the other films. But in that film, I think it works. I'm so torn on this, Jesse, because everything you're saying are the words that I've, I've uttered to you off mic and on, and I agree with all of it. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds of Wonder Woman is spectacular. Yeah. The final third of that film is... Man of Steel levels of destruction mm-hmm. with little consequence. Yeah. I don't know where I'm at on this. Okay. Let's go back. So let's answer the question that I didn't let you answer because I interrupted you. Yeah. Per the fish out of water writing trope and all of the conflict that comes from watching the characters struggle in an unfamiliar environment, which one of those two does it better? I think Diana struggling in World War II London is a little bit more interesting than... Billy Batson doing the flossing technique for Instagram. Doing Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man? A little bit, yeah. And it's a little a little more modernized. You know what I think? I think that's a thing that'll is only of this era. I think, you know, being able to go back and, you know, kind of see even her this Amazonian and they're living in like 
the BC times to come into and World War One. I, I mean, we don't see enough. It's always World War Two, and I kind of like that it was World War One, and it was kind of a, a different look at a different type of enemy until the end. All right, so let me give you a scenario. Okay, this will be our deciding. Okay, Shazam is at the free throw line, <laughs> down one. Okay, front end of a one and one. Okay, no time on the clock. Okay, Shazam bricks the free throw, and they lose by one point to Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman advances. It's close. Chalk holds? It's really close. Yeah. We okay that close? I think so. Is it that close? It, it, I think it is that close. All right. I'm good with you. I though. think uh, both of those, uh, I think this is the pinnacle of the DC cinematic universe of whatever they're trying to, this kind of cohesive thing that they're doing right now. I think these two are the best. You know, it's interesting. I just you put a bug in my ear. Yeah. So I think Wonder Woman advances. We agree. Okay. Were these two done back to back? Were they sequentially, 17. were they the... the Six and seven in their release of films. The only thing in between those two is Justice League and Aquaman. Oh, never mind. But you would say that's a good back to back for them, at least, right? Is that what you're going for? Four, yeah, that would have been a killer yeah. for them because there's lots of missteps in there. Not a single upset so far. But I think that was a good conversation, though, because yeah. I knew that one was going to be tough when you sent me a picture of this. I think this one might be also a little bit tough as well. Okay, so we have number three, The Dark Knight Rises against number 14, Superman 2. Okay, this is going to be a really tough conversation. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Superman 2 first. Go ahead. Another troubled production. Yes. Uh, it's essentially the same thing that happened to Zack Snyder and Superman. So this is a movie that has two different iterations because mm-hmm. for those that don't know, it was made all at one time. Richard Donner got fired 80% of the way through Superman 2. Sounds familiar. And instead, uh, literally, instead of because they needed a lighter tone and this and that, they essentially went back and remade more the, the movie again. Like, why do they keep doing this? You know what I mean? Just just tidy it up and finish it and get it out there. What so, are those two brothers, the producers of the... Uh, the Salkinds, the French brothers. These two are shyster sleaze bags. Mm-hmm taking directors that had finished prior projects that didn't get paid to come finish this one after they fired Richard Donner so that they would get paid for the first film, which was the four Musketeers and the stories around Superman two. And we will do this someday on right proper. We will do this movie are astounding. Well, they brought in Richard Lester of Hard Hard Day's Night fame to come in and lighten up Superman 2 when it probably didn't need any lightening up, you know what I mean? It's a strange thing because Richard Lester was screwed out of half of his pay for the movie that he had previously made with the Salkinds. You mean Richard Donner? No, no, Richard Lester. Oh, no, yeah, uh, the Musketeers movie, right? Yeah, the Musketeers film. Yeah. So in order to get his money for that film, he had to come finish Superman 2? Yeah, he had to come Who, wipe up someone's dirty scraps. These guys are hellaciously good salesmen. For all of that like kind of thing, it's still a pretty decent movie. Like I, this was one I don't know, you yep. know, I don't know if if you kind of saw it this way too, but man, HBO showed this movie all the time. All the time. It was on all the time. Like I, it was to the point where I was like, have I even seen Superman 1 because I've seen Superman 2 so many times. I think it's great. I mean, the Paris opening is not in the Donner cut, and there you can see his cut of the film, which isn't on this list. But that's exciting. You know, the fight with the three Kryptonians mm, and Zod, is great stuff in in the Times Square. I think is really good. Uh, Christopher Reeve, you know, kind of giving up the powers. I'll never forget that scene too, when like vulnerable Christopher Reeve goes and uh, gets his ass kicked in that diner. Do you remember that? Oh, that was yeah. kind of a little scarring for me. Mm-hmm. And then having to go ask for forgiveness to get his powers back. 
I like Superman 2. Uh, do I like it as much as Superman 1? Uh, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see how much that conversation goes. But Let's talk about a couple missteps in that film. Okay. Production-wide, production-wise aside, mm-hmm. you're right. All that stuff is a disaster. It still got across the finish line in a pretty seamless, mostly enjoyable product. Yeah. The slapstick humor is terrible. It's a little, you can tell. You can tell the Lester influence, yep. When the phone booth is getting knocked over and the girl's dress is blowing up. I remember that. That's bad. And that's in the Times Square scene, which is really good in most of it, but a couple moments. What about the memory wiping kiss at the end? Okay, so that's terrible. But the other one I was going to bring up is what about the cellophane S that he can take off of his suit and throw it on the bad guys? (laughs) I forgot about that. Like a net. I forgot about that. So (laughs) some good, Mm -hmm. a little bit of bad. Yeah. I might, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be careful here because I'm going to throw something at me. No, you're good. I might be able to make the same case for its opponent here in the first round. Yeah. No, yeah. The Dark Knight Rises is, okay, so saw this movie five times in the theater when it came out. I was was so excited for this because I was the wrapping up of this trilogy. And I think it's a pretty solid film all around. Uh, I think it's the worst of the three of the the Nolan the Nolan trilogy. Agreed. But I think it's another amb- overly ambitious film. You know, they essentially turn it into a disaster movie. Yeah. And for the one thing I really like that they get right is you know the relationship between Bruce and Alfred. I think is really solid. Sequestering him away for a good chunk of Act Two, while Bane in a brilliant performance by Tom Hardy rains absolute hell on Gotham City. And I think that's the thing I like the most is they finally got that character right. I mean, he's an abomination in Batman and Robin to bomb, bomb. And he's a scheming, he's a smart guy. And the way he kind of manipulates the chess pieces in that, uh, I think is pretty well done. I mean, I thought it was a satisfying conclusion to an all around pretty solid trilogy. Is Bane in the Nolan trilogy alive or dead right now? I think he's dead. <laughs> because got, Catwoman yeah. shoots him with the torpedo on the bat bike. Yeah, that's weak. Fucking really weak. Yeah, that, I didn't like that. Deal breaker week. I don't know if it's cellophane S on my shirt week deal breaker, but that is for two and a half hours. That is ready for this. Yeah. A no country for old men like in. No, I know. I know. For like as much as they built him up, like that is a pretty weak way for him to go out. But another thing that they tackle pretty well is essentially nightfall. I mean, the breaking of the bat, like yeah. that whole fight seems really good. Yeah. What I really thought was ambitious about this was, you know, from the get-go, Nolan was always very adamant about this is a definite conclusion to this story, you know, and we're going to wrap it up and tidy it up. And and they kind of, and they do that, you know, it's the passing on the mantle to Joseph Gordon-Levitt and whatever, you know, he's going to go on with his crime fighting. But I think it's an end of the duties for Batman. And like, I couldn't think of anything prior to that where he'd ever seen like the hero literally say, I'm done. I mean, there, there, there was, there is something to that. Uh, but what do you think? What do you think, Matt? I love that the superhero I've done, that's Spider-Man in the train and mm-hmm. Aunt May with the, the costume in the trash can and Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. Raimi's Spider-Man 2. But we're not doing Marvel. We're doing DC and those yeah. are wildly different mm-hmm. animals. I'm going to pose the same question to myself that I gave you a few minutes ago. And if I have two and a half hours, which is what I would probably need, maybe three yeah. to fit The Dark Knight Rises or the two that it would take for Superman Mm 2, without question, I would rather watch Superman 2. It's a sillier movie, though. You know what I mean? It is. And I'm not the greatest at this because... I'm I'm good at this, but what I'm saying is I'm not the best person probably to ask on this because 
I don't have the affinity for the Nolan trilogy like you do. I'd like it. Yeah, no, yeah. And I'd like it. Yeah. I'm going to say this is maybe our first big upset or mm-hmm. only upset of the tournament. And I think Superman 2 maybe slips by because I'm going to look what's next. Yeah. Neither, it's not, neither one is advancing anyway. I know. Because the next one's not even going to be a conversation. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> right? Yeah, it won't be a conversation. It's like your favorite movie against like your least favorite movie in the DC rankings here. I will say one more thing about The the Dark Knight Rises. And just because like we've talked a lot about film length and like mm-hmm. when we were watching Just League, I was like, Jesus Christ, like I feel the length of this movie and it's not even under two. Like the many times I've seen it, to see it five times in the theater, I think is something because mm-hmm. like I never felt the, it's almost three hours long. Yeah. And that's a pretty epic length for one of these movies. So to handle it with you know that and it is like it has the most missteps i think of the of the trilogy and it is the weakest one but i still think it's a solid movie but i did grow up watching superman 2 a lot matt on hbo i do like superman 2 i've already buried the 3 from the corner on this one so if there's no rebound or there's no last second baseball christian leitner shot at the free throw line against kentucky we have an upset it's close matt this is this i'm just i got to be honest with you this whole bracket this whole bracket is really hard for me <laughs> really hard because I, I like a lot of these movies but they all can't advance so the cinderella story's ending in the next round anyway yeah we'll one. yeah we'll we'll let this one move on for right now i, I love the dark Knight rises i want to do that whole trilogy on right proper one day because i think when you watch them all back to back like things resonate with you like a whole lot more like everything that they've set up in the first one you know kind of pays off in the last one like it's a hell of a journey what a crazy podcast that would be yeah burn mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. cut the show yep Watch two, mm-hmm. cut the show. Oh yeah, we're drinking the whole time. Yeah, watch three, <laughs> cut the show. In yeah. one sitting, it'd be a thirteen-hour podcast. Oh shoot! Oh okay, <laughs> we should do that. Yeah, that would be yeah, uh, it would be epic. That's going to have to have some fan involvement if we do that though. But I've thrown it out there. As long I'll do that with you if you give me Superman two here. Ooh, I kind of like that. All right, we, it's might, out. we might have to have a guest for that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Upset. Fourteen takes down three. Boy, we're going to get some feedback on this. We're going to get crucified on the socials from this. Maybe. Even in Christopher Nolan's filmography, The Dark Knight Rises ranks a little lower in like his total filmography, so maybe not. There um, you go. There, but, that but, settles it. But I like it. I like it. I'm not even going to weigh in on this one. I'm just going to let Jesse do it because it's Batman versus Man of Steel. Go ahead. This is all you, baby. Can I talk about Man of Steel real quickly? I guess if you want. I'm sure there's one word and it suck, but go ahead. Well, it is suck. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of an okay movie until they start smashing shit in Smallville. Okay. It's kind of got some stuff working for it. Uh, it's a little, it, they go way Christian with the, you think it's bad in the Christopher Reeves one. I mean, there's like a cross, like light through the, uh, the stained glass window on, on, on Henry Cavill's face. Like, is he Jesus or what? Like, come on. Is it blind Neo with a blindfold walking in the no, Wachowski starship? I think, no, this is, it's, I think it's worse than Man of Steel. Uh, but, uh, it's an okay movie, until, but once they start smashing, you got about an hour and 15 minutes of monotony. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'd ever, other than the Transformers, which that's bad. <laughs> I didn't expect that from that. I thought that movie was going to really pay off and be the start to something new and exciting. And it just left me so cold and emotionless and not wanting to see where that went further. And that's not how you want to start your cinematic universe. Okay, so I'm going to say one thing about this too. Okay. I don't really love Superman. He's cool. Mm-hmm. He's fine. The part of Superman that I like the least next to the pearls in the alley with Martha and Wayne, mm-hmm. Martha and, and, uh, um, Thomas Wayne, Thomas Wayne. Thank yeah. you. Is the necessity to show what farm life in Kansas is like to ground the all American hero who mm-hmm. takes a job 
as far away from from farming as you can possibly do. Yeah. A reporter in Megapolis. Yeah. I, I hate it. Mm-hmm. Don't waste my time with that. He's just, he's so old school. And it's like, even in the interpretations to bring him into the modern age, it still kind of doesn't work. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. I think Batman, well, okay. Have you, here's your Batman. Batman 89 is the, the movie that made me want to make my own movies. It's the film I've seen maybe a hundred plus times. I think it deserves on that regard to make it to the next round. <laughs> I'm going to give that to you. So you have to give me Joker when it takes on Dark Knight later on. Oh, we'll see about that, man. <laughs> All right. No, agreed. We, we'll see about I know, that. I know. Okay. So our final eight, yeah. we have the dark Knight taking on Superman, Batman begins taking on Watchmen, Joker taking on wonder woman, Superman two taking on Batman 89. Interesting. A couple close ones here and a couple not going to be close. Okay. All right. Dark Knight versus Superman 78, Richard Donner's, uh, Penelta or, First film, first superhero film. We're figuring it out as we go. We're paying Marlon Brando $10 million to read some cute cards. No kidding. Versus uh, Christopher Nolan's follow-up to Batman Begins, which was widely followed, crazy marketing, widely anticipated, and a very big hit when it came out. Matt, I'm a big fan of The Dark Knight. You're sitting in an office right now. There's a poster hanging right above the wall right here. Uh, I think The Dark Knight does a lot of special things for the superhero genre in and of itself that I don't think any other film has gotten right other than maybe Logan, maybe it's hard because what everyone took away from the dark Knight was how gritty and realistic they took with it with the second. And everyone thought that was the answer to their superhero film was like, well, let's just do our own gritty and realistic take. But what they forgot was, Hey, you can kind of only do that with Batman and with this specific filmmaker (laughs) They tapped into something and they brought it into an age that, you know, kind of made it feel real, but you're still dealing with a mythology that's 80 plus years old. And I think that's all I need to say about it for right now until the next round. But I think it it's so progressive for that genre, whether you like it or hate it, uh, what it did, it, it totally changed like how we perceive superhero films. And I think for the, for not for the good, because they didn't, they didn't know the formula that was set up with that film. The Dark Knight is perplexing for me. Mm-hmm. To this day, it still is. Yeah, And I think that there is a lot of noise in there that maybe I don't need. But even that being said, mm-hmm. I would still... That's why I want to do it for, on the show so bad. Yeah. Like, that would be such a good episode. For curiosity, mm-hmm. I would still rather watch that than Superman. Mm-hmm. And Superman, if in another bracket, mm-hmm. moves through here. Yeah. The first across the finish line, 1979 Superman, mm-hmm. is a big deal. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. These were profitable, and for two guys that love this genre of film, mm-hmm. that's a big movie for you and me. Yeah. As much as I'm making the case for Superman in that regard, I can't see any way that it defeats The Dark Knight. Yeah, it's hard for me. I like Superman. I don't know if I like it as much as The Dark Knight. Oh, it's, of course you don't. It's yeah. not even close. The Dark Knight advances. We have our first Final Four entry, cut down the nets in Topeka. <laughs> or Gotham. No, in Smallville. It's Superman's home turf. <laughs> All okay, right. Let, Batman Begins versus Watchmen. This isn't even close. It's not close. Dude, let, just move on. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even close. Okay, Watchmen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Batman Begins, and, and I think we'll have a good conversation uh, in the next round regarding these, t- uh, these two films, but 
I mean, Batman Begins represents a lot of, you know, you know, DC kind of getting back on the right foot. I mean, this is years removed from Joel Schumacher's disaster. Mm-hmm. They hadn't done anything for about eight years with any of their properties. This was a step in the right direction to say, hey, look at what Marvel's doing. I mean, Spider-Man, X-Men, Hulk, Daredevil. I mean, some of those are big misses, but they're moving along. What are we doing? That was their answer. And I think it was a big announcement. Billy Crudup is a nice Dr. Manhattan. Nice Leah. Blue, nice blue penis. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson is put on earth to play Ra's al Ghul. Really good. Yeah. No problem well, there. We'll talk about that cast later on in, in, in the next round because some really great casts in both of these films. But let's move on to the next matchup. Joker versus Wonder Woman. 2-7. Um, do you want me to give my case for the Joker? Yeah. You want me to save it? Uh, I want you to give your case for Wonder Woman if you have one. <laughs> Against the Joker? Yeah. That third act thing is still in play here, and the Joker doesn't have a bad moment in the third act for me. Matter of fact, I think that's where it excels. And as much as I love... <clears throat> gosh, sorry. No, go ahead. Diana and Steve and the love story, the f- scene that I prefer to that, and mm-hmm. I said a few minutes ago I love that scene, mm-hmm. is the resurrection of the Joker on the cop car. Yeah. This is the Joker for me. It's not even close. But that's where the movie should end. The Joker slips up a lot in the end for me because it kind of doesn't know where to stop. And then Bruce's parents in the alley. This is one thing I do want to ask you because the joke in R-rated Joker film, it is fairly, it's not that violent. It's pretty violent. Uh, But it's kind of, how often are you rewatching that movie because it is such a dour watch? You know what I mean? If you sit down for like family movie night, I mean, you kind of want to watch, you know, obviously Marvel's like way more appetizing. The Joker to me fails. And we'll see how this goes in the later rounds in the rewatch category of any of these films. Not that it's a bad movie. I think it's a great film. Rightly deserved all the awards that I think it got, but how often can you really watch? It's like Taxi Driver. You know what I mean? Like those are those are just like the stains when you watch them. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. The last I've seen the Joker three times. Okay. I've seen it in the theater. I saw it on a plane coming home, and then I watched it late one night. So I've seen that three. <clears throat> okay. If I have two hours to kill, that's probably not what I'm going to in the queue. Sure. Yeah. But Wonder Woman isn't either. Yeah. If I'm watching it with my daughter or my family, Wonder Woman wins. Sure. But I'm not building the bracket with them. I'm building it with you. Mm-hmm. So that's a fair question, and I think it brings up a reasonable point that might come to, well, you know, maybe they get in foul trouble later in the bracket and their point guard doesn't, can't get the ball up the floor, and maybe that rears its ugly head. Well, it's how I feel about a lot of movies. I mean, like films like, I love The Godfather Part Two. It's a masterpiece. I, I can't sit and watch that movie, like, often, you know what I mean? It's so heavy, and it's so taxing on your brain. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about Joker. It's just, it, it's great in totality, but uh, we'll, we'll see when it comes up. I just, I'm just, there's not a lot of rewatch value there for me. And it's also missing the biggest component with the title like the Joker. That's Batman. Mm, that doesn't break, okay, I, that's a fair point. That doesn't do but it we talked about We talked about that in that episode. That was a lot of the deal breaking for me was. That being said, this isn't advancing over Wonder Woman. No, it's not, no. I'm just, I just wanted, I just wanted to bring that up. I think, yeah, those are good points. So three of our four, we have a very heavy Batman influence final four. All right. Superman two versus Batman 89. Jesse, I mean, really? (laughs) No, no, we're not putting Batman 89 in or Superman two over that. 
A better matchup here would be the original Superman against Batman 89. Oh, that'd be pretty good. But it's not. Yeah. It's the second Superman against Batman 89. You're not... Make your case for Superman 2. There's no way this is happening. It's really hard. Yeah. But there, there's things I want to say about Batman 89, but it's not time yet. You're going to save your argument? I'm going to save it. I don't really think this is close. This might be close for half, and then Batman 89 gets away pretty big time in the second half. Probably like what Gonzaga is doing Keaton's, right now. Keaton's curly hair is moving on to the, the, the final four. All right. Dark Knight versus Batman Begins and the Joker versus Batman 89. Let's talk about this final four real quick. Okay. This is DC's biggest problem is everything <laughs> is yeah. built around how good Batman's everything is. The curse of Batman. His rogues, the quality of the films that they've made of him, uh, the importance, I think, of some of these films made of him. Uh, no one else has stepped up to the plate yet to even challenge what they've done with that character yet. No. Uh, so... DC, you want to know what your problem is? You need to figure out how to do another character the way you've done Batman. And you it's, you haven't done it yet. <laughs> you haven't done it yet. It might be the material, too. That's true. It's also true. Batman has a whole universe in the DC comicdom that's just Gotham proper. Mm-hmm. There's no one else that you read like that. Nobody. Maybe it is an overall DC problem. No one. Re- I mean, Superman's a comic book, but people don't flock to the store to read Superman or Wonder Woman. Or Green Lantern's better recently, but... You, you know how many... Even in this new 52, which is kind of... <coughs> excuse me. We're both coughing over here. Yeah. is a bit of a mixed bag for me is Batman has like 10 different magazines in that line. It's Batman, Dark Knight Detective, uh, Bat, uh, Batman and, and Son and, and Batgirl and the Corvette. Like there's so many different lines within his universe and Aquaman has Aquaman. <laughs> right. That's the problem. Yeah, and Superman is Superman in action comics. But I don't fault that for them because they've given me a lot of really good movies here that we now get to talk about. Can we do Joker or Batman 89 first? Sure, whichever yeah. one, I'm fine. Let's mix it up. Okay, The Clown Prince of Crime versus another Batman film with another Clown Prince of Crime. It's Jack Nicholson versus Joaquin Phoenix. This is two totally different Jokers, but it's two totally different movies too. Let's talk about it. Uh... Make the case for either either one of these. You make your case for 89, and I'll make my case for the Joker, because I think that's probably where this is going to fall. Sure. To me, Batman 89, the, Matt, this is, I don't know, this this can't be hot takey, because there's a lot of evidence to back it up, but I think this is the most important superhero film that's ever been made. And not only that, but I think it might be the most important blockbuster film that's ever, or maybe not not as much as Star Wars or Jaws, but it's up there. It totally changed the way that we market and release and change films. I mean, you were alive, and then I was—I was just—I was just a wee pup when that this this film came out. But the marketing blitz, blitz around Batman. I mean, you probably couldn't have gone anywhere without seeing some bat signal insignia anywhere. And they really had to do that because you know they were still trying to get Keaton on board as playing this character. He is my favorite Batman, uh, but it, it also showed, you know, I think the power in that superhero marketing that you could kind of build around the legacies of these characters. I mean, Marvel was going to figure that out later with Spider-Man, that like there was a popularity there to, to build upon. And if you made a good film, the fans were going to show up. And I think that's what happened in 89 with Batman. It, it, it's hard for me to like to, to, to argue against it because I've seen it so many times and the Prince music be damned, but I love seeing Michael Keaton as this, as this, as this Batman. He plays the, and go listen to that episode. Cause we did that on the podcast too. He makes me believe that he needs to wear the Batman suit to be Batman Five ten, kind of skinny. But when he turns it on, he transforms into kind of something pretty freaky. 
and man, he's got the he's got the Keaton eyes. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like he's got he's got some stuff going for him. And and to me, Jack was just always just such a fun Joker to watch. I mean, but that's just Jack Nicholson in general. I mean, he's just always a treat to watch whenever he's on screen. Strong case. Mm-hmm. The biggest complaint that you and I bring up every week when it comes to villains mm-hmm. is why do they do what they do? Yeah. And we laugh snobbily about the villain that wants to destroy Earth to take it over. Mm-hmm. The Joker, what I would argue, with the exception of Silence of the Lambs, is the best origin story of a villain ever. We oui. we know exactly what what we know exactly why he does what he does. We know what took him to that. Mm-hmm. It's grim and gritty, and it's exactly why I love this version of the Joker, and you love the Heath Ledger version of the Joker way more than the Jack Nicholson version of the Loker. Mm-hmm. Joker. Loker. Joker. Loki. <laughs> Batman, to me, is an easier character to play than the Joker, because all oh, you abs- have to do is put on the cowl and drop your voice a little bit. Absolutely. And I think, and I know this is going to come to some consternation from you when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. This, not Jared Leto, this is the best pure Joker there is because it's handled by the person that's the most talented as an actor. Yeah. When you take an iconic villain that has such a nebulous or vague background and tackle the origin of how the Joker came to be, Mm -hmm. I also give this a nod Mm -hmm. for being brave enough and specked enough to go down that road. Well, here's the other thing too, Matt. I think with a character like him, you can go those different ways. He doesn't have a set definitive origin story. So yeah. there's a bit of leeway with his origin in the Todd Phillips Joker. And then we get our own version of uh, the origin story in 89. And even in, in Heath Ledger's one, we get an amalgamation of what where did this guy come from? He came from the scum of Gotham, like just out of the shadows. That being said, and we talked about this a lot on the podcast, I agree with you. I think it's a great character study, and it's a great villain study. And I made this, I think I made a strong case on this on the episode. We take that out of Gotham, and he's not, the. it's just called Arthur. We take all the Batman mythos out of it. I still think it's a pretty good movie, so I don't know if it's a good DC movie at the end of the day. Well, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Inside the DC universe or just inside the film total, like you're comparing, I, I get what your point. It's a fair point. Yeah. We're talking about a taxi driver like story, which is. It's very similar. Atlanta, to, it's very oh, similar to taxi driver. Yeah. Beat per beat. Sure. Mm-hmm. That being said, and that's very fair and mm-hmm. a great point. As much as that might follow the beats of taxi driver, so does Batman and the beats of Millions of stories that have been. Oh, absolutely. That's a tough one, Jesse. You bring up a good point. Inside the DC universe or inside film total is, I mean, I just am curious. Is that leaning from you, from your lips to God's ears? Yeah. That inside the DC universe, Batman is a, Batman 89 is a better film than Joker, but in the sum total of all films, the Joker's a better movie than Batman 89? Correct. Wow. Yeah. And if this is the DC movie madness, I have I just have a hard time because like if you if we strip that down and it's Joaquin Phoenix playing just a schizo on the streets and he does the same stuff he does, but he's not Joker and it's not in Gotham, it's New York City, 1980. I think that's still a good movie, but it's not a DC movie. 
the best college basketball team that I ever saw mm-hmm. was that run and rebels team the year that they killed oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duke in the finals. Yeah. I mean, just annihilated them. Mm-hmm. Augman and Banks and um, Muzz Skillings and I think Johnson was on that. Like that team, Greg mm-hmm. Anthony, that yeah. team was loaded. Yeah. That team had five pros on it. That team might have been able to beat the Sacramento Kings <laughs> or yeah. whatever sorry yeah, ass sure. NBA yeah, team yeah, there. Yeah. And maybe not. I think that can happen a lot, actually. Yeah. It might. Sure. Applying the same concepts to like the NCAA tournament versus basketball as a whole, mm-hmm. it's an interesting position that you've put me in. Here's what I would say about Batman 89. I like that film as much as you do. And mm-hmm. I want to be respectful because I know this is like you saying something bad about Unbreakable and I'm in therapy because of it. I know, right? So I'm going to be respectful here. And I mean, I, I didn't love that movie yeah. and first as much as you did. And mm-hmm. I understand the nostalgia and I like oh, yeah. that is so important. Yeah. And there's more nostalgia in Batman 89 for you than can even start the oh, Joker yeah. for me. Of it's course. not even close. Of course. If you talk about seven, maybe we have a different story, Yeah, but it's not, it's the Joker. Yeah. Can I make one more argument mm-hmm. in Pro 89 to just speak to the important importance of, of that particular film? If that film is the much as money they spent on it and this marketing blitz and everything I just talked about and the movie's a bomb when it comes out, I think it kills any conversation of superhero films for a very, very long time. The fact that it was as big, it, maybe it's next to E.T., I think it's the biggest hit of the 1980s. It was a win that this, this genre needed. And like, it, does that kill Marvel's chances of getting their stuff to the film? Because everyone would be saying, remember Batman 89? Do you want to do that again? They needed that film to be a win. I, I don't know if you get, other than Superman and Superman 2, I don't think you get the rest of the, this bracket the way we see it if Batman 89 is a complete, is, is uh, Waterworld. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. If that movie doesn't build a Batman a playing field that we can play in, then we don't even have the Joker. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me counter that. That's a good point. Let mm-hmm. me counter it with one. If the Joker isn't made the way that it is, and we don't get the deconstruction of a criminal birthed, do we have any hope for solid antagonists as starter stories going forward? Absolutely. Because okay, what I would say is I we could make me make the same case for Batman as well. We could, yeah. But we've been telling like you you brought up Science of the Lambs yeah. and we talked about Taxi Driver. I mean, they've been making those types of movies for years, especially in that decade of film that we really like, French Connection and you know, Midnight Cowboy and, and all those like really kind of morose people that we find uh, we kind of taken a liking to. I wonder if we have a misstep then. Did we underrate Superman then? I don't know. It's also hard for me too. I I I have a real hard time giving a nod to a film I've only seen one and a half times Joker. to a film I've seen more than any film that's ever been made. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to speak about the importance aspect of that. I mean, you know, it, to market a film with just a symbol is 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 those are some balls in the marketing department to do that. If Keaton bombs, if Tim Burton bombs, Tim Burton doesn't have a career. Keaton's done in the water. That might water. not be so bad. Uh, yeah, you're right. That might not be so bad. But I, there's just, I think the, the lofty expectations of 89 trump anything that people were going to see this movie regardless. And, you know, people were going to like it or hate it, but people were coming out 
and we're going to Frankenstein this thing. Yeah, and I'm not trying to what about ifing you on the, the same thing would happen with Batman. They were when was like Superman mm-hmm. four? How far did that one go? Was there four? Of yeah, them? there was four. Yeah, is that like what eighty three or four eighty seven? So a two year break. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. I like I know where you're going, and you know where I'm going. I don't know how we're going to come to a conclusion. I think your points are valid. I I, agree, I don't disagree with any of those. Yeah. I just weighing out all of that. I, I want, I want to go. Yes. Batman 89. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to be, am I want to do that because I love you or yeah, am no, I doing yeah. that? Be, I, oh. It's just, I let, a, let me just, I have a hard time justifying it. Joker. Like I, I, since it's, we did the episode and since I saw it, I've had a very small inkling to go back and rewatch that film again. And it's not because I thought it was bad. It's because it's just, there's not a lot there for me to like dive back into again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a great performance. Yeah. It's a great character study, but Jesus Christ, that's a dark, that's a dark movie. Like in a dark, mentally ill person. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather watch, you know, the parade Prince floats than watch that. You know what I mean? So again, the rewatchability I think is an, imp- it's not, that's not the end all argument of film because I just made the Godfather two case. Right. But I think that that is something to to it as well. That's not even a movie you put on for friend movie night, The Joker. You're going to like... Well, it would depend on who the friend would be. Absolutely, but you're going to have more fun. I I don't know if you'd have more fun with 89, but like The Joker's got to be far on the spectrum of films you you would want to scream for somebody. You know what I mean? It's a very Oscar-friendly movie. I mean, it speaks to those character studies that they love to talk about. Yeah, it's Oscar Beatty, Mm -hmm. no doubt. Those are all good cases. And I, I could say the same thing for me about 89. We just have a very different feeling on what we're getting. Like what you get from Batman 89, nostalgia side. Mm-hmm. Like I could rewatch it over and over and over and over again. I get it. Yeah. But if I'm going to choose between those two, friend or by myself, then I'm going to also go with the Joker. Well, that's why I brought up the importance within the DC film spectrum as well. I mean, we've seen bad versions of... Batman and the characters survive. Yeah. Val Kilmer, yeah. Um, Ben Affleck, not, uh, not, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. But not for his first movie. No. Yeah. We've seen bad versions of the Joker derail the franchise entirely, Jared Leto. But we've seen good versions of it too. Ah, it's hard for me, Matt. I know. I give that movie, I think, a call minus when we did it on the show. Here's the thing that's going to be the deciding factor for me. After the failure of Superman 4 and that franchise genre being on the ropes, mm-hmm. these superhero things are laughably bad. Batman 89 and breathes some life into a much-needed genre that I loved and was beaten up on the playground because I loved comic books as a kid over. Yeah. If Batman 89 isn't made and isn't financially successful... None of the rest of this bracket matters. I mean, that's a strong case. I mean, it's... For the DC March Madness Tournament, I think you made a good point, and that's none of this matters insofar as what Batman 89 is, Mm -hmm. because this built the house that all DC and even Marvel, to a certain extent, existed in. I know, yeah. I think it added just some legitimacy to the genre that Marvel couldn't do because they were bankrupt at the time. So I can't say anything close to the weight of that 
is revolving around the Joker's axis. I mean, yeah, there, there, there's there's some lofty, I think, just expectations on Batman 89's shoulders. When we make a film and market of the Joker, I th- people are going to come up and see that. I think they were very excited to see that when it, when it came out. Do you know who George Mikan is? Mm-mm. George Mikan was a basketball player for the Minneapolis Lakers. Mm. A dominant big man. Country boy, big... Glass... I, I know who you're talking about, glasses, yeah. That man mm-hmm. was such a dominant presence near the basket that they created the lane lines and made the three-second rule in basketball. Yeah. Shaq, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson. We can go on down the line with any... Moses Malone, mm-hmm. whatever post you want in there. Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah. if George Mikan doesn't teach them how to dominate and the rules are changed around him so that they can continue sure. to have the franchise or the game I mean, exist. that's an important argument to to make. Today, what, George Mikan would get smoked by Anthony Davis. Yeah. What, one thing I want from Joker, and I think I think we know where we're going here with this. Yeah. I want to see how this film ages. I need to go back to it a few more times. Like, I need to just dive into that and just get familiar with it a little bit more than just my exposure to it. But I want to see what DC does in response to that. Are they going to make a sequel? I mean, they say yes, but who knows? Are they going to do more character-driven stories like like the? We don't know yet. I mean, we don't know what DC's really doing. I mean, for all the good that that film did, it was but a blip on the radar for their cinematic universe. So, here's the other thing too. Yeah, as much as I gave it some praise for being brave, mm-hmm. they kind of said it's another world story and maybe isn't canon in DC until what you say until it makes money and then we'll tie it in somehow. Right. They did hedge their bets though. Yeah. Okay. Batman 89 advances. I mean, what would improve Joker for me a lot is if you set the groundwork with such an interesting character, if they tie that into the patents and Batman in some way, shape or form, I mean, then it's gonna, it's gonna matter more to me. So we'll see. I want to see what they do with with all the good that that film did for for them Oscar-wise and all that. Like I want to see what the future looks like post Joker. We haven't seen it yet. We've seen it what it is Batman and it's this bracket. <laughs> okay. Final oh, takeaway is Oh, Matt, that was hard. Did you know that was going to be hard before we started? Did uh, you see that coming? I didn't see that one coming. I maybe saw this one coming next. Mm-hmm. Uh Dark Knight versus Batman Begins. <sighs> Oh, boy. Okay, Matt, hang on. I love both of these films, but maybe I'll try and just make it a little bit easier. But just because I kind of know, you know, Dark Knight-wise, I think that film's terrific. I think it's a masterpiece. It's you know, I love that that version of the Joker. I love, you know who's good in that movie? is Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent. Like, mm-hmm. understated. I mean, Gordon gets to shine. Going for Maggie Gyllenhaal to K- Katie Holmes is an improvement. Uh, there's some pacing things kind of in the second act plus before the, we get to to the finale, but I do love the finale and the moral quandary it, mm-hmm. it presents to both the audience, but to what that character means and to Batman himself and this weird kind of unholy trio of Gordon, Dent, and Batman that they've created that is their undoing in, in, in the end of the film. Batman Begins is the Batman movie I waited my entire life for. When that came out, and I remember the teaser, I, I was before The Village, it was a minute teaser, it was a voiceover that's not even in the movie, mm-hmm. and I, the whole time I'm like, what is this movie, what is this, this looks familiar, and then you get about a millisecond of Batman in the costume, and then the title, Batman Begins in red letters, and I was like, yes, like the tone, I get it, this is everything, it's not silly, it's not Schumacher, It's it looks darker than Burton. Who's this cast? Who's Christian Bale? I hadn't even seen anything, oh, he was in Reign of Fire, the dragon movie? Michael Caine, 
Tom Wilkinson, Ken Watanabe, uh, Cillian Murphy, Gary Oldman, Morgan Freeman. Keep that going. cast is unreal. Stellar. Same cast in, in The Dark Knight, but to me, the Batman, this is the Batman film I've always waited for, but another important thing happened in that film for me too, and it brought Christopher Nolan into the mainstream, and he got to do and is doing and changing Hollywood as we speak because of the success and the legitimacy of that movie. With that, I got Inception. You know, we got Dunkirk, you know, Interstellar, uh, all these great original films that you and I, you know, you know, pride ourselves on. Original spec screenwriting. In order for him to be able to do that, he had to do a film like this. And it's not that he didn't want to do it because he did like the character, but it just opened him up to a bigger audience too. Now he's just as popular now like as Batman Begins. Okay, so let me continue with this. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation that you and I had over a writing session once, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to it. When you take the moral conundrum that Batman has presented in The Dark Knight Mm -hmm. when it comes to saving Aaron Eckhart Mm -hmm. or Katie Holmes, and then another version of that with who we're going to blow up on the boat first, us or them, Mm -hmm. none of that for me has ever made any sense with the Joker's motives from the first two-thirds of the film. Why does he burn the money? Why does it even matter? Yeah. All of the sudden, the anarchist Joker becomes quite calculating, and I don't, it, it works. It does work. But he becomes quite calculating in the last third of that movie. Mm-hmm. And those two versions of the Joker are not consistent in my mind. I'm going to also say, it's still enjoyable. This is why we have to do that movie on the show one of these days, yeah. Still enjoyable. Yeah. The hijacking of the Russian ballet that bit about the Red Wing scanning of the tower and the just vomit on the screen of opulence that just takes 40 minutes too long, which I enjoy, but is over-exuberant. Not a single moment of that ever shows its face to me in Batman Begins. Yeah, There's not a throwaway scene in that film. Well, in dark in the Dark Knight, it, it, Christopher Nolan's getting a little more—I don't want to say experimental—is maybe the wrong word—but he's trying to expand the boundaries of what this story is capable of of handling, and I think it works really well in a lot of the. And what I really like—I mean, you're, you're talking about the kind of the Hong Kong bit where he has to cut, go mm. extract that. Guy. Hang on. Uh, what I really like about that is, you know, I've always liked these stories where heroes kind of like are underestimating the villain. At hand. I mean, Spider-Man did that with Doc Ock in issue number three. Like, I wish someone would give me a run for my money. Mm. Boom, Doc Ock. Yeah. Is Batman negates the presence of the Joker for a good portion of that film. And when he goes away there, the Joker's kind of doing his own ascension to the high seat at Gotham. And when they finally, when he finally, the moment when he finally realizes this guy is not to be kind of messed with. And I think Alfred says it really good is like, you know, people do things and they, they say they steal things or they do bad things, but, you know, some people are just downright evil. And I think that's what we get down to with that character is that at his core, he's evil. And that's kind of the piece you kind of have to make with, with some of his character motivation. Okay, no, I get that. No, no, I get that. absolutely. And that's not the podcast for this. Like, we have to do that film and kind of get in the weeds with that whole story. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like in, in Batman Begins, like it's it feels like a, a Batman comic that was written in like tw- 2004 by like um, oh god, I forget those guys. Say, no, no. Um, oh goodness, goodness. Say Frank something. Miller. No, no, no. Keep keep going. When 
when Batman Begin launches, How did I forget those guys at Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Like, it, oh yeah, it feels like a, a long comic, Halloween. It feels or, like a comic that they wrote in like to it with with the Scarecrow, and I love the mob influence in that. Dark Knight has a good mob influence in that film, but Car- when when Batman Begin starts, mm-hmm. we find a bit aged Bruce Wayne in the middle of some Tibetan retreat, searching for God only knows what. I guess a version of himself. If you compare the opening of that to the opening of Dark Knight, Mm -hmm. the bank heist scene is much cooler. Mm -hmm. My question is, and I don't know if I have an answer, but I'm posing it. Although the Dark Knight's opening Mm -hmm. is more aesthetically entertaining, I might argue that Batman Begins beginning is more important to the overall construct of the film. Yeah, it's overly more important. I don't think it's a better sequence. Agreed. I think the opening of the Dark Knight thing is a masterfully kind of put together with the IMAX. It looks amazing, and I think it's a and I think it's a great way to and then to introduce the character because the villain's kind of the, the the show point in that film. You know, in Batman, you know, we've set up him in a whole movie. What I didn't think I'd like as much as I did in the in Batman Begins was. You know, this was an origin story that I was familiar with, and um, it had never been shown before to this extent on screen. We got a, a few shots here of the shooting of the parents in the alley, but never getting into, like, the training and the role that Alfred plays as a surrogate father, and then, like, him coming back and wheeling in Gordon. There's a lot of interesting things that I'd never seen before, and I love, and, and again, I love where this where this series goes. But I, I had to think about this because I knew this was going to happen because of the way you formulated the bracket. Damn you! Uh, I think The Dark Knight is a masterpiece. That's a top shelf plus 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 with these films. It, do, it if you get to get a poster in this house, you're getting top shelf. Mm-hmm. Like you're, I'm not just putting shit on the walls. Other than the shit Wonder Woman eighty four that's in the other room there. I think I bought you a glass poster that hung up for a little while though. Cool image, though. I mean, that's going <laughs> to be a great. It's going to be worth a lot of money one of these days. Let's hope. Uh, have, having said all that, Batman Begins. Into the first time I saw it, I'll, it's one of the most happy I've ever been in the mm-hmm. theater. It's it was such a fulfilling, and I just couldn't wait. What next? And the dark. I mean, the, the Joker card was a great tease to like. Oh, we're going there. Like it's such a great tease. But then it, but. The introduction to Nolan cannot be understated. Like that guy is so important to me in in modern filmmaking and for Hollywood, and he should be important for even if you don't like his films. That guy should be important to you because he's changing the game. And if something happens to him or what, like original filmmaking takes a huge blow without Nolan's emergence with Batman Begins. It seems like legacy keeps showing up in this bracket, and with the legacy case that I think mostly pushed Batman 89 through to the finals here. Mm -hmm. If Nolan misses on Batman begins two really important things happen. The resurrection of Batman dies right then and there. Absolutely. And maybe so does Christopher Nolan. Yep. Like I love memento, but no one gave a damn. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about legacy, he's hold on. Let me finish the thought. So good. Good. If we're talking about legacy, then what Batman 89 did to reinvigorate the superhero genre is the same thing that Batman Begins did after whatever Batman 4. Yeah, Batman and Robin. Finished everybody off. Mm-hmm. Rock cut. Absolutely. So somehow in a strange way, 
legacy is continuing to shine through here. And I guess we're in agreement that Batman Begins advances. I am shocked that this just happened. I'll just say this right now. I, th- I thought this was going to be the battle of the ages. I thought we were going to go down to Quentin Tarantino levels of um, Inglorious Bastards again on this one. <laughs> Goodness. Shocking. Wow. I think the Dark I think that? that I think the Dark Knight is a better film in the way it's made and the way it's acted and just kind of the way it's put together, but I don't know if it's as and, and maybe that's what this bracket's boiling down to me is Well, it's the case of Joker and Batman, right? Well, it's really sort of. this like I said this bracket really hits me hits me hard because like it's hitting me personally. It really comes down to importance. Not only to where I came into these movies, but to what the, these films, these important movies mean to the, not just DC, but to Marvel, DC, Vertigo, what they mean to su- the superhero genre in totality. And I think we found the two biggest ones, the two genre movers that really changed the game. I mean, we could probably throw Iron Man in here and make the case for the cohesive cinematic universe, but that's not the argument for the day. I think mm-hmm. we found the two DC films that really shook things up the most. Batman Begins and Batman 89 in the finals. Kill me now. <laughs> I have a question for you. Go ahead. Do we want to pause right now and leave it at this point and put it out to Rye Nation to make their cases for each of them? No, because... And I, what we can do is like we can record it yeah. and then in two days after they've waited in, we'll release the last 10 minutes of what this is. No, I think we... No, because this is our list. Like We'll let them do their own list. We'll do it on, on, on Instagram or on, okay. on the socials. I just think it'd be fun to hear what they say. And then after we've already cut it, well, let's just talk about this with both of us. What legacy to you? And this is the conversation of like where we've gone to the importance of these. What's more important to you? Was this reemergence gritty style rebirth of Batman that gave us the world. It gave us Christian Bale and it kind of in an interesting way too. It showed off the acting showcases of all these great people or the film that, you know, legitimate, legitimized this the superhero genre i think you could make the case for both of them uh batman 89 to me is important matt it's super important to me it made me want to make films it made me i it it helped me figure out story structure at a young age i was dancing to the prince music as a young kid and reenacting the float scene with my little figurines but i feel like you know my whole life had been building up to a film and I don't know what that film was. And I kind of know I now in this conversation, what it was. And I think it was Batman begins. And I remember where I was. I saw it opening day with my, with my two best friends. And then we went and saw it again, like later that summer. And then I went and took my parents again. And then I went with my dad again. Like it was the Batman that, like I said, I've always waited for. And I think it was, I, I saw it right. The, I think I was 14 when that came out. Like it was just like right starting high school. And I was like, what is this new superhero thing that they're doing? When I left Batman begins, Mm -hmm. I walked out of the theater and said, wow. Mm -hmm. And talked to my wife and said, where is this going? When I walked out of Batman 89, Mm -hmm. I looked at my brother and my dad and said, Batman was hardly in that movie. Yeah. Different time, different time, different direction, different type of action film. Yeah. And that's the difference for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Although Batman 89 obviously is a highly respected film as it's in the finals of these 16. Yeah. The talent and the ability to showcase the talent that Batman Begin did pushes them over the top. Yeah. We can have two really quality teams. Mm -hmm. But if one of them is just has more guns in the holster 
and more ammunition that they can fire, a.k.a. they're more talented. Yeah. It wins. This is not a slam on Batman 89. Obviously, it's here in the finals, and there is legacy and importance. Batman begins, takes Batman's curse that is the opus of most of these films here and introduces that to the rest of Warner Brothers in DC. And from this point forward, mm-hmm. whether it's solemn or grim or gritty or street level or or urban or whatever you want to call it's it. Birth from this movie. It starts right here. Absolutely. What I really like about it too is it 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 instead of, you know, it's an origin story and like the qualms are like introduce some villains that they know like I'm surprised that Batman Begins didn't wasn't like two face and Catwoman, like I'm really, I'm because it is so influenced from Frank Miller's Year One in a lot of ways, and those are the some of the villains uh, in in that story. Uh, I'm really shocked that uh, they didn't show up in this in this uh, version. It's one I of lo- the things I love the most. I like that they took Ra's al Ghul in the League of Scarecrow. Shadows and the Scarecrow, yeah. played by Silly, and and then Carmine Falcone that we hadn't, we hadn't seen any of these characters before. And they were the primary antagonist, and the film was like, we're okay with it being that with this origin story. Mm-hmm. And I can't understate enough. I mean, Pat Hingle be damned, and J.K. Simmons, whatever. Gary Oldman is King Commissioner Gordon. Yes. That mustache, it's the Gordon I've always imagined mm-hmm. on screen. Michael Caine's the Alfred I've always imagined on screen. You're right. And I had this conversation too. I mean, how do you like your Batman? Like, you know, Keaton's frail skinny i mean it's like 510 ben affleck is too puffy drinks too much val kilmer's like whatever clooney's not gonna get like ripped bond as batman christian bale prototype is the perfect batman you know what i mean he can get built but he looks suave and sophisticated he can be kind of an asshole as bruce wayne Mm -hmm. like it's a really good portrayal of that character and Robert Pattinson's a weird outlier. He's almost like Michael Keaton to me. He's really kind of skinny, uh, kind of weird, like parted weird emo hair. I mean, they he cast that film so well, like with all those characters. And Lucius Fox, who had heard of Lucius Fox prior to that film? We'll get Morgan Freeman to play him. Tim Burton's able to make Batman 89 work because Tim Burton's really good at showing in these early stages how to do good, good Tim Burton. That's a highlighting of Tim Burton's chops. Sure. Christopher Nolan is able to highlight his directorial chops through the showpieces that he puts around a great story. And I know it's not fair because it is not this film. Mm -hmm. Dreams are one of the most no-no, don't ever do it in any film ever. And Inception is one of the 10 greatest films I've ever seen. That speaks to the talent that was assembled to make this movie. And I think that for me is the deal breaker and why Batman begins. It's just, it's just a better team. Yeah. And that's the word I want to emphasize team. It's a better team. Yeah. It's a great, Katie Holmes is, yeah, whatever. Uh, but that cast is, that cast is so good. And the, the way it ends, the, the bat, that Batmobile, like I love mm-hmm. the 89 Batmobile, but the Batmobile and that Nolan introduces like this, like roving tank, the tumbler. Yeah. That thing's cool too. Yeah. The suit looks really good. The origins of the back, like yeah, it, there's so many things going for it. And like it, what it really makes me want to do, Matt, is you pitch this kind of just crazy marathon episode, and maybe not this year. Like we'll find a place to do that, but uh, 
we got to do these three Nolan Batman films. There's so, there's too much to talk about. There would be so much content there. Like I, I really want to get into them because I like I like them so much. I mean, this was this was you present you created something and gave it to me and was like, here, figure that out. <laughs> I like so many of these. I love Superman seventy eight. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I know. like a, you, there's scenes in that that I think are are more powerful than anything that this this bracket presents, and it didn't even make it past the second round. I mean. Dark Knight's a mat. There's a poster of it here. Great performances in all of these films, but I had no idea mm-hmm. that Batman Begins was going to win this. This is the fourth overall seed, and that I really didn't think this was going to win. I thought it'd probably get out of its bracket. There's your champion. Look at that. Pretty cool champion. That was fun. Want to give me a score? In the final game between Batman 89 and Batman Begins? Uh, I think it's p- close up until halftime, but then I probably think at halftime my moral ambiguity to Batman 89 stays self-contained and I, and Batman Begins just runs away with it. 70-55? Yeah, that's probably right. That's what I think, too. Yeah. There's a lot of importance in both of those movies, but uh, Batman Begins is your champion, everybody. Matt, this was impossible. This was so hard for me. To it was do. hard, but that was fun, wasn't oh it? Oh, my God. This is just... Oh God! I get when I knew you gave me that final four. I was like, Oh my God! The, the choices. I was like, What it's gonna come down to is just gonna be ridiculous. But mm-hmm. um, what I really want, the takeaway from all of this, I want DC to figure out something that else that they can put in here that could compete with these four top four films. That's, that's maybe not, not Batman. Batman that's proper. not Batman. Yes. Whether that's Flash or a Green Lantern. Whatever J.J. Abrams Superman movie that he's cooking up, like anything to compete with the quality. I think we can all admit that these four films are pretty decent quality and really well-made movies that can compete with that. I mean, like even if like whatever comes out next from DC, it's going to have a hard time competing with these four films. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. That was a lot of fun. Here's to you. Here's to you. Nice oh, bracket. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, we'll have to see. when they, uh, Next March, we'll come up with another bracket, and we'll, we'll take it through the round robin, but... I'd like to do something on movie detectives. That'd be pretty good. And that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, you talked about villains a lot. What if we went to, like, AFI's, like, top 16 villains and r- rattled them off? Oh, man, that'd be good. That'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? We we do need to have a third person in here. Yeah, we, we've decided that the third person could help <laughs> split the difference. <laughs> So we don't have 20-minute discussions on Joker, Batman 89. This is supposed to be a shot. We did a full episode tonight. Not that it wasn't good. This was this was great. I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers, and we'll see you all next time on the next shot. Take care, everybody.